how has uh, how has COVID been? How have you been, and how has the business environment for you been? Great. Um, it started out pretty rough, like everybody. Um, we were all, you know, we didn't know what to expect, and in terms of working. Uh, it was very, you know, it was very demotivating. But then over time, we realized, hey, the early bird gets the worm. If we don't get out there and hustle and get into great deals, we're never going to be successful as a venture fund. So we started speeding up our activity probably around June. And, um, you know, we're uh, we're almost done allocating our first fund. Okay. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about that. What's the what size fund uh, fund are you about to finish allocating? Uh, what kind of investment pieces have you worked with uh, over the last year, and uh, what are you investing in? What are the trends that you are seeing? Sure. Um, so it's a it's a small fund. It's a nano fund. I like to say it's about a five million dollar fund. We're doing thirty five to forty investments into pre-seed and seed stage companies, reserving a lot of the capital for uh, follow-ons into the best companies that we've invested in so far. Um, and we've been deploying the capital for about three years now. So we're right on pace to where we want to be. Um, the sectors we focus on are er early stage, B2B, FinTech, enterprise, you know, really, the guts of uh, an organization's uh, software and tech. So we love software across industries. We, we're really sector agnostic. Okay. Um, and geography, New York? A, a lot in New York um, because that's where our power base is. And then we're also doing, a, a, we have a smattering in other places. We've, we seem to see a lot of great uh, companies in LATAM, actually. So we've been, uh, we've, we've gotten into a few companies down there. You can go to our site, supernode.vc, and see our portfolio there. We have, we, um, we have all of our company, most of our companies there. But yeah, we're not stuck in any one geography or location. It's really important for a venture fund to, we think, to be generalist and to be lightweight and nimble because so much is happening. Tech is revolutionizing so many industries. And before you know it, there's a new tech stack to be concerned with. So for example, years ago, people were talking about clean tech and, and VR. And then you know a lot of people lost their shirts uh, who started funds that were just focused on clean tech and VR because you know the tides changed and institutional investors didn't want to follow on into the next rounds. And so a lot of companies went under because of that. Um, and so now, uh, you know, the generalist fund, we think is where it's at. Well, you know, the, we talk to investors con constantly. The theme that is ubiquitous is AI investing. Everybody is looking for AI deals. And uh, especially in B2B, everybody is looking for some form of AI and, and real AI, not just foo-foo AI, real AI. Um, then of course there's, I think there are specialists who are doing FinTech in, in you know, with specific focus. Uh, so let's actually talk about what companies in your portfolio are you particularly excited about? Maybe take one or two examples 
maybe one or two examples from the U.S. and then maybe one from Latin America. Latin America is always interesting. It's a different. Uh, we have had quite a few Latin American investors here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm. Uh, I'm actually. You know, I. I'm not partial to any one company because I actually. I'm like a mother. <laughs> I'm a mother duck. I have all these beautiful children, and I love them all. Uh, so, <clears throat> but if you want, we can talk about one that might be exiting soon. Um, we're we're very excited to you know we'll have a possible exit in Braze.com, which is a marketing technology company. It's a marketing mobile marketing automation. They help um, enterprise corporations. Um, communicate through various mobile channels. So, for example, if you get push notifications or messaging through your apps, uh, the chances are high that Braze is powering those mobile communications. So that's one we're excited about. Uh, another one that's very exciting, it may not exit soon, it's coming to market soon, is called New Age Meats, which is cellular agriculture. This is a company where um, they create meat out of cells um, and then they mix them with um, plant-based uh, plant-based you know product in order to create mm -hmm. a pork sausage so they've been working on that for a couple of years and you know it's it's the future right i mean plant-based and lab-grown pork and other proteins mm -hmm. is the future i mean everybody yeah. you know when, when we look five to ten years ahead uh when we look back on this time period, we'll say, really, were we slaughtering animals? Why would we do that? You know, why would we grow animals for slaughter? It's crazy. So it's it's really, we're, we're Sermana, it's, it's hard to remember, it's hard to realize how much a part of the future we are building right now with all these technologies and all these founders. We are in one yeah. of the most exciting um, times in history. You know, when I uh, look back on uh, when when I started in the technology industry, it was the mid-90s, and uh, it was the beginning of the internet, and there was still stuff like dial-up internet and things like that. <laughs> and, and now, of course, you know, the, a, a lot of founders have never experienced a non-internet life. So these are, you know, young people, digital natives, and... Uh, and many of them have not really experienced adult life without a smartphone. So it's a very different uh, demographic. And <laughs> so, yes, you're absolutely right that one day we're going to look back and, and wonder why we were slaughtering animals. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And so, what about Latin America? Let's talk about the story from Latin America. Well, Latin America, remember, is not just one place. It's many places, and it's um, extremely different in each country, right, and each the dynamics, the politics, the markets themselves are extremely differentiated. So you have to be careful when you're investing um, overseas, especially in Latin America, um, because you really, you don't know, unless you're from there, you're not going to know the dynamics. You're not going to understand it. So what we've done is we've thought really hard about um, different markets and what is there already and what's not, right, that we've already built here. So for example, um, you know, if, you know, in fin everything's fintech in LATAM, for example, any type of company you invest in could transform itself into a fintech company because, you know, moving money um, is a very important, uh, 
you know. They're leapfrogging the financial. They're actually leapfrogging fintech and retail uh, to e-commerce. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, we invested in one called Abi, H-A-B-I, in Colombia, very early company um and they're they're doing the open door for uh for colombia and they hope to spread that and open door as you know um here buys properties and fixes them up and resells them and so that's what they started to do there and the reason we invested in that company was you know we had uh high confidence in the founders right we, for us the most important thing is re meeting really great founders that also have a great syndicate around them. Because if they can't get their second or third round, they're out, no matter yeah. how good they are. So, you know, those are two big factors in LATAM that we're looking for is, um, you know, they have to be extremely connected. Uh, we really favor um, founders who've gone to schools in the US um, who are taking models that they saw work in the US and applying them to LATAM. Um, and that they're very connected in LATAM so that they know that they can actually get second and third rounds. I find it interesting that Latin American investors are letting these companies slip through their hands. They are not going into these companies early enough. Um, they're waiting. They're very cautious. So we're able, you know, U.S. venture capital is able to go in there and snatch up these early companies before the local investors are, which is crazy to me. Um, and it's all because they're too uh, it's conservative. Not crazy, Laurel, it's, it's not crazy at all, actually. You know, I've, um, I've watched the Indian ecosystem mature, which is now gang going bang, gangbusters, absolutely. But early on, people were very, very afraid to go early. Early stage, you know, the seed, pre-seed investment in India was very difficult. It's, just, it's changed. It's changing. Um, but, but I think, you know, when people don't have a lot of experience in the ecosystem, they want to see proof points, and, and to see proof points, you have to basically let your startups bootstrap the early stage, and then you come in after there is proof points. And that's how a lot of businesses got built. And I've talked to investors in Brazil and uh, Argentina as well, and they they have that a bit of that tendency is that they want you know want people to bootstrap up to a point and then start um, you know coming in a little bit later. However. One of the big successes of Latin America, one of the biggest successes of Latin America is Mercado Libre. And um, they were my clients when I was consulting many years ago. And um, I've known them for a long time. That company was a team from Stanford. So they knew how to raise venture capital right away. And, and they managed to, you know, it was in fact quite early. The early stage of Mercado Libre was rather difficult because the market was not developing. Uh, it took longer, much longer to develop. So, uh, so they managed to survive that early stage period without going under um, because of their expertise with man, you know, navigating the venture capital universe. So your point is well taken. If the founders don't know how to navigate and they cannot bootstrap, then they're not going to make it. Yes, absolutely. I and the other th the other company that I'm super excited about in Latam is in Mexico. Uh, it's called Credejusto, and they do small business lending. And it was just such a logical thing to invest in. I mean, I couldn't believe that other investors weren't as excited about it as I was. So I led the deal, and that was my first time leading 
around into a company, but I had high confidence in these founders. They were schooled at Brown University and, uh, and another university here in the U.S. They were from yeah. Latam or Mexico. They had tremendous connections down there. And they also had a vision, right? And their vision was that they wanted to bring the type of banking we have here to Mexico. It seems logical. It's an enormous market. There's lots of founders and small businesses who need banking services and the big banks weren't providing it for them. They were providing it, but at a high cost, slow, cumbersome. And they said, Hey, we are lightweight. We're, you know, we're online. We're going to, you know, get our customers online, you know, online first. Um, and we're going to have unique underwriting, but all of this stuff had been done in the U S. So I thought, you know, this can happen. Let's do it. Let's, let's back these guys. And their most recent round was a Series B backed by 0.72, led by 0.72 in Goldman. So they're way off to the races. Um, you know, fantastic company. That's called Crede Justo. So I really like Latam when you know when you make, meet the right mix of founders and investors, of course. Yeah. Okay. All right. And um, in your deal flow right now, what are you seeing trend-wise? What's um... What's standing out in this post-COVID world? What are what well, are the themes? Well, there are, you know, you probably you probably have noticed this as well. There are a lot of um, of technologies that are being launched in order to create meeting spaces for people uh, that aren't Zoom. Remote work is a trend. Yeah, you know, all kinds of virtual rooms and virtual. Uh, parties and events, management softwares, uh, management software. Um, we're seeing a lot of that. We have, we didn't place a bet there because we just, we just saw it as way over saturated in a quick, you know, in a short amount of time. And also we wondered what's going to happen when people want to meet in real life again to these things. Uh, of course, there's some interesting social communities. Uh, I've been playing around a lot on clubhouse. I did not see that one, um, you know, as a as a deal. I, I've been playing it around around with it as an early adopter, though. It's been really a, a unique experience. So, if you haven't tried Clubhouse, I would definitely uh, try that out for some events. Why do you but, like Clubhouse? Um, because it's like radio. You know, you and I grew up with radio, right? Talk radio, yes, and yes. nobody's re nobody's replaced talk radio yet with any technology. You know, so this is the first time that I see a path towards replacing talk radio with something really unique and cutting edge. It's all audio and you go on, you log onto the platform and then you can hear total strangers talking about different topics. And so they have rooms. So each room has a topic or it could be an, uh, an open topic room. Some of the rooms are silent rooms where you just go and you sit silently with other people and you do your work. It's crazy. It's so, it's so out there. You could, you, just, you know, whatever you think of, you can create on clubhouse. It's very, you know, it's very early and it's very exciting as a result because anything could happen there. Cool. All right. Well, um, Good to good to hear what you're seeing, what you're doing, and uh, let's stay in touch. And, and uh, there is a company that we are incubating right now. Um, we haven't yet decided to go out to raise money for this, but it's a it's a very very talented founder. If if we decide to take that out soon, I will 
send him to you. Oh, fantastic. We would love to hear about him. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye. Nice to see you. Nice to see you.